Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how many much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of January 12th through the 15th, 2024. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. If you're in the U.S., hope you enjoyed your long holiday weekend. Uh, now, because of the holiday, at the time of writing this episode, we don't have the full finalized numbers from this weekend. As to these are probably still wor- uh, still off for the four-day weekend, um, but we'll look at what we have here, um, or three-day weekend, rather. Um, after we do get the numbers for the week, you know, we'll, you know, we'll go into the meat of this episode, which will be looking at the upcoming slate of films through April. Uh, but first, the box office results. In first place uh, this weekend, we had Mean Girls Musical from Paramount opening to about 28.7 million U.S. in 3,791 theaters, so per theater average of about $7,500. This is a bit sort of the 30 million total that the box office pros had forecasted, uh, with a reported 4.5 million from Monday, plus about 6.5 million overseas. We're looking at a global take of about 39.7 million or so, against a budget of 36 million, which is at least something that's made back its production budget. Um, Given that this had mixed is reviews, you know, 71 critics and 67 audience on Rotten Tomatoes, a B cinema score. I don't, unfortunately, despite having predicted it, don't think this will get to 100 million domestically at this rate. Uh, part of the reason seems to be that, frustratingly, uh, the marketing department refused to market it as a musical because, quote, they think people will treat it differently. And as such, a good number of people went to the film but were caught off guard. I haven't seen it myself, um, but you know, on or the Broadway that it's based off of, but apparently it was just too similar to the original, nothing much in terms of new content. And as far as the Broadway fans, go they cut some of the songs that they liked um so you know kind of pissing off both camps um given this you know it'll be interesting to see whether or not the warner brothers decides to market the upcoming joker sequel um much which uh is actually a musical apparently uh given that other musicals musicals like Wa- color purple and wonka have had the genre hidden somewhat uh, notably two mean girls credit though apparently 75 percent of its audience was women which as we've seen with barbie last year is definitely a recipe that uh, for success potentially as it's a demographic that is relatively underserved and can drive uh, movie sales. Uh, in second place, MGM's uh, Jason Statham-led David Ayer-directed action film The Beekeeper buzzed in with 16.6 million over the three-day weekend for in 3,303 theaters for a pretty average of about $5,000 or so. That's about $6 million above expectations, and with another $2.5 million on Monday, $2.6 million overseas, put at just over $21.5 million worldwide. Uh, no word on the budget for this one. Audience seemed to like this a little bit more, uh, 69% critics, but 95% audiences on Rotten Tomatoes with a B plus cinema score. Not so where that will end up at this point in time, um, but we'll definitely keep an eye on it. In third place, the uh, aforementioned Warner Brothers musical Wonka, uh, starring Timothy Chalamet, made $8.5 million over the three-day weekend, dropping 40% in its fifth weekend in 3,346 theaters for a pretty theater average of $2.5,000, uh, 2500 20, uh, 20, and a domestic total of $176 million. Adding to the $329 million it's made overseas, it's actually crossed the $500 million mark, uh, which is fantastic for a $125 million production budget. In fourth place, Sony's Anyone But You continues to impress uh, with a mere 27% drop in 2,935 theaters for a $7.1 million total and a 2400 uh, $2, per theater average, uh, hitting $55.3 million domestically in weekend four. Uh, with $22.7 million overseas, it's just at about $79.5 million worldwide against a budget of only $25 million, so already a modest profit and could very well get there to $100 million worldwide. Um, com- compared to the other R-rated comedy from this past year, 
there. Uh, no hard feelings, sorry for Jennifer Lawrence. This one's actually passed the domestic total, uh, their domestic total of $50 million, and it's looking to surpass their $83 million worldwide. And it's kind of just crazy that in its fourth weekend, it's actually made more than its opening weekend. So it's actually gone up uh, more or less. Um, uh, rounding out the top five is Illumination's animated film Migration, a 38% drop in week four to 6.2 million in 3,224 theaters for 1,900 per theater average, $85 million total. The consistent 40% drops are, are a bit higher than I'd like to see for a film trying to hit $100 million domestically. It's made $85 million to date here in the U.S. Uh, and uh, at about $174 million worldwide. Technically, it has me back its $74 million budget and then some, but by no means is it a Super Mario Brothers or a uh, Despicable Beam hit in terms of uh, movie for Illumination, and it hasn't really made a hit in an awards race as they ha may have been hoping given its release date. Outside the top 10, there are a couple of Indian films with decent per theater averages. Uh, Gunter Karam opened in 800 theaters uh, to 4.1 million for 5,100 per theater average. Um, Hanuman uh, opened to 2.3 million, 430 theaters for a 5,300 per theater average. Uh, Domestic-wise, Sony's The Book of Clarence opened to 2.5 million, million or so in 2010 theaters for a measly uh, $1,200 per theater average, which is right at the bottom, if not a bit below its pre-weekend -for pre forecasts. Uh, overall, the total box office was $102 million domestically, which is actually pretty pretty solid uh, on the nose against the same last uh, weekend last year, um, which I believe was uh, you know several weeks into the Avatar's run, and I believe the second week of Megan. Um, there's not there's only one wide release this coming weekend, a Bleecker Street space thriller, ISS, starring Ariana DeBose. No budget for it, though certainly it's going to be less than the $200 million that Tom Cruise is spending on his ISS film, uh, but with only a 2 to, eight, two to 6 million opening for weekend forecast, not looking that great. Uh, Ava DuVernay's film Origin also releases next weekend, though, um, though uncertain on how wide it looking like it might be limited. Uh, moving on to our main topic this week, we're going to be looking over the releases of each weekend through the end of April. I like to segment the box office year into three segments, you know, pre-summer, summer, and then post-summer holidays. Obviously, summer blockbusters being the biggest, uh, but, you know, because of that, each film, each segment has their own specific targets. Uh, this also lets me, you know, over the course of the years, talk about films that may get announced later rather than trying to do a year-long review at, here at the start. Um, and it also lets me get a little bit, a little bit more granular, look at the, uh, you know, limited releases as well. Um, now, this pre-summer season generally isn't the strongest. You know, for a long time, it's been kind of a dumping ground of stuff where even over the holidays, they tend to get, you know, uh, at least some family-friendly fair or award season fair as well. Um, of course, summer blockbusters being the, is always the biggest season. Now, there have been, you know, in recent years, a couple of big films, usually around spring break, right, March or so. And so maybe some early warm-ups for going into the uh, summer season, you know, in, in late April or so. Um, but generally a lot of chaff that you wouldn't really find anywhere else. Obviously, we had a few releases this year, Night Swim, Mean Girls, Book of Clarence, and Beekeeper. And then, of course, this coming weekend, as we just mentioned, the film ISS, as well as du Ava DuVernay's Origin. Uh, on Jan January 26th, the next wide release is Lionsgate's Miller's Girl, a thriller starring Martin Freeman and Jenna Ortega um, as a student and teacher with a complicated relationship forming over a creative writing assignment. No forecast for this. Um, there's also the limited release of Sometimes I Think About Dying, a film from Sundance last year starring Daisy Ridley. Um, we also have The Peasants, an, an, an animated film, uh, which I believe Poland's entry for the Oscar, uh, following up with from the uh, team behind the Oscar-nominated Loving Vincent. Uh, and then we also have Totem, which is Mexico's entry for international category. Um, and of course, you know, this weekend is also when Sundance is happening, which I believe there are virtual tickets for. So we get, start getting an early preview uh, of stuff that might be in the rate Oscar race at the end of the year. 
Uh, moving to the next month in February, February 1st has season four of uh, episodes one and three of the Angel Studios uh, Christian hit of The Chosen. Uh, probably set to make about seven to $11 million that weekend. Uh, and then going a little bit wider, Universal's Argyle, you know, that Matthew Vaughn directed spy film starring Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Tower, Bryce Dallas Howard, and uh, Sam Rockwell, and many, many more with that cat uh, that, that plays in the trailer that plays before every movie now. Um, you know, it's looking to maybe make about 20 to $30 million for the weekend. Though notably, it has a budget of over two hundred million dollars. Um, the reason for that seems to be that you know it's an Apple TV production, and so they had to buy out all of the cast, which this is a very stacked cast, out of all of the residuals and such that they would normally receive. So a higher upfront cost, um, though they don't need to share as much. And of course, you know Apple is kind of want to just get get more films on their platform. Um, also opening the, that weekend uh, is limited. In limited is the British coming of age film How to Have Sex, uh, Bhutan's Oscar submission The Monk and the Gun, and then Denmark's Mad Mikkelsen submission the Oscars, uh, The Promised Land. Uh, February 9th, a.k.a. Super Bowl weekend, we have Focus Features' Lisa Frankenstein. Uh, this is Zelda Williams' first feature film starring Catherine Newton, Cole Sprouse, and Filipina actress Lisa Soberano. No budget here, though forecasts a bit some suggest it'll open the sub $10 million. Um, this weekend is always kind of depressed because of the Super Bowl uh, going on. Uh, also re-releasing uh, is going to be last year's uh, Turning Red from Pixar, which is part of their re-release schedule. Um, and then in limited, we'll have the friend submission for the Oscars, The Taste of Things. February 14th uh, is Valentine's Day, and that's in the middle of the week on the Wednesday. But you still, since it's a big date now, you still got some new releases. Um, the big the big franchise film that's coming out is uh, the next entry into Sony's Spider-Man Marvel Universe, Madam Web, starring Dakota John- the Johnson. I'm definitely not going to not be taking my wife to see that one. Uh, opening it opposite it is uh, a more, you know, serious fare uh, from, uh, you know, um, a, a, I believe this is a Warner Brothers uh, biopic um, starring Bensley King- uh, Kingsley Benadire as Bob Marley. Uh, one love. Um, later that week on February f- Friday the 16th, we have some smaller films opening. Uh, Land of the Bad is an action film starring the two two of the Hemsworth brothers plus Russell Crowe. Um, Bleeding Love is a film starring father-daughter pair Ewan McGregor and Clara McGregor. Um, and then Io Capitano coming out is the Italian submission to the Oscars. Uh, February 23rd is mostly specialty fare. Um, you know, we have Crunchyroll releasing the next Demon Slayer film, uh, To the Hasira, to the Hasira Training. Uh, this isn't actually a film made for tr- theater as much like the, uh, the uh, Mugen Train was, um, but rather it's a packaging of the final season of the most recent uh, television arc, plus the first episode of the upcoming season. Um, you know, Focus Features also will be releasing Drive Away Dolls, which is a comedy road film directed by Ethan Cohen. And then Lionsgate has a base on the true story drama Ordinary Angels and Sony Pictures Classic has the Gold uh, Jeff Goldblum Bossa Nova documentary They Stop the Piano Player. Also worth noting that this weekend has the release of the Oscar Sorts program um, for anyone like me who's trying to watch all of the nominees. This is a good way to watch um, all of the Oscar nominees, which will of course will be out by this time. Uh, moving toward the end of February into March, on March 1st weekend, we actually have an opening uh, on the 29th. Again, The Chosen coming with a series of episodes. Um, but the big one will be March 1st, uh, which is Dune Part 2 being delayed from last year by Warner Brothers. Taking the start at the top of the month. This will definitely be a, a big, really big film to keep on. Probably the biggest film uh, to start the year. <laughs> the year. 
uh, moving them to March 8th. Obviously, most people don't really want to come right afterwards since, you know, Dune will probably have some good legs going on. So, again, a little bit more niche uh, counter-programming counter, uh, fair. Uh, Angel Studios has a Christian biopic about a Catholic missionary, St. Uh, Francesca Cabrini, called Cabrini. Uh, Bloomhouse has a new horror film about an imaginary friend called Imaginary, not to be confused with uh, Ryan Reynolds' Imaginary Friends film uh, coming out later this year. Uh, and then DreamWorks is back with Kung Fu Panda 4, which should be a pretty big one given the lack of animated films up to this point and how much people like the Kung Fu Panda franchise. Uh, A24 also has a limited release of its queer bodybuilding romantic thriller starring Kristen Stewart, a title Love Lies Bleeding. Uh, and of course, this weekend of March 10th is the Oscars, so you know I'm definitely going to be trying to watch all of those films before then. Uh, March 15th, again, is too close to Dune for any major releases, I think. So the only release is a Lionsgate feel-good Mark Wahlberg dog movie called Arthur the King, which is based on a true-life uh, dog that completed a 700-kilometer endurance race in the Dominican Republic uh, alongside some you know, uh, foreign uh, white people uh, com- running the race, and, and they ended up adopting him. Um, you also have the Focus Features limited film uh, American Society of Magical Negroes, which has had some mixed reviews based on the trailer. Um, let's see, March 22nd is far enough from Doom that Sony Pictures is comfortable releasing a Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, um, the follow-up to the Afterlife sequel from a couple of years back. Uh, Pixar is also re-releasing Luca this weekend, um, and then we also have the Bleecker Street film from TIFF, One Life, uh, starring Anthony Hopkins about a man who saved children from the Holocaust. Uh, Mubi also has the limited release of Do Not Expect Too Much from the End of the World, uh, as well as the Romanian entry for international feature Housekeeping for, oh, sorry, the do not too much uh, expect too much is the Romanian entry for international feature. Uh, we close on March with another big franchise film, uh, Warner Brothers' monster film, Godzilla vs. Kong, The New Empire, the latest in the MCU, the Monster Cinematic Universe. Uh, definitely looking forward to that one, especially after watching Godzilla Minus One. Uh, moving into April, on the 5th, uh, 20th Century has a supernatural horror film, The First Omen, which is apparently a prequel to the 1976 horror film, The Omen. Um, we also have, uh, hilariously, something called The People's Joker, which is a queer coming-of-age superhero parody film. Um, there was some controversy around it, so it was supposed to be released at uh, TIFF last year, I believe, or maybe the year before, um, and you know it got blocked by Warner Brothers. Um, they fought, you know, obviously for parody rights and, free sp- and fair use and all that. Um, ultimately, they ended up Getting finally looking like they're able to get it released. Um, Focus Features has the Macedonian entry and limited of the uh, entry to the Oscars, uh, Housekeeping for Begin- Beginners, um, and apparently there's an untitled Universal event film. Um, not really sure what that's supposed to be, un- honestly. Uh, as of right now, there's nothing really of note releasing on the 12th, um, but so skipping ahead to the April 19th, we have Universal releasing a monster horror film based on the 1936 classic monsters film Dracula's Daughter, uh, which one, this one is titled Abigail. Uh, Lionsgate also has a Guy Ritchie action spy film called Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, which, surprise, surprise, also stars Ken- Henry Cavill. He really likes his spy movies. Finally, wrapping up the season on April 26th, we have the three wide releases of Civil War, which is an A24 film uh, from Alex Garland starring Kirsten Dunst, Kaylee Spaney, and Jesse Plemons, as well as Nick Offerman. Uh, we also have Challengers, which is a romantic tennis comedy drama starring Zendaya, Josh O'Connor, and Mike Faist, uh, which comes from MGM that, again, got delayed from the strike. It was supposed to come out, I believe, at the Venice Film Festival last year. And then we also have Unsung Hero, which is a Christian drama film about a musical Christian family family. 
Uh, of these, I think obviously March is the strongest, most exciting month for me personally with all the big blockbusters, Dune, Ghostbusters, and Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, but some of the indie fare also looks really good. I'm really looking forward to uh, Driveway Dolls, uh, Love Lives, Lives Bleeding, Civil War, and Challengers in particular. Um, and of course, you know, I've been to spend most of this season trying to catch up on all the Oscar films that I haven't yet seen. Uh, check out the Oscars Death Race podcast for that. Box office-wise, though, I think the one I'm most interested in seeing um, is Civil War, actually. Um, you know, it's supposed to be A24's most expensive film to date, and it's in a pretty different genre than we're used to seeing from them, you know, an action political thriller. Um, so we'll see if they can pull this off as opposed to, the, you know, the more typical indie fare that they've, they've, that they've had to date. Um, but yeah, wrapping up the show, there's some quick hit headlines. You know, the biggest one is probably, unfortunately, there have been a number of layoffs at Amazon and MZM specifically, um, as has been the case for many tech companies in this past month. Um, and then Oppenheimer also got its release date for streaming on Peacock after, what, eight months in theaters? Um, coming on, on February 16th, plus other Chris Nolan films are coming to Peacock, uh, licensed, of course, uh, on February 1st. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. You can suit my ideas for what else I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least tell a friend any of that helps. Links to all of that in our show notes. Uh, numbers in the show come from dnumbers.com. Intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.filmers.io. Editing and production provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. <laughs>